this passage of scripture is just like the gift that keeps on giving. Amen. We keep pulling uh, uh, different uh, principles out of this passage to help us because it is so true what the Bible says over in First Corinthians, how these things happen to Israel as a, uh, a lesson and an, a, 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 a lesson and an example for us. So if it happened and it was written and recorded so that we can learn from it and we can grow from it and we can better ourselves as a result of it, then that's what we want to do. Amen. We want to learn, we want to grow so we can be better. Amen. In our walk with the Lord. So numbers chapter number 12. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. This is familiar to you because we share it with you uh, when we were talking about uh, preparing for greater. So Numbers chapter number 12 says, while they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. Verse two says, they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. Uh, be careful what you say, because the Lord is listening. Let me say it one more time. Be careful what you say, because the Lord is listening. The old folks said he sits high and he looks low. <laughs> Amen. And so he's, he's watching everything that we do. Now, Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Verse four says this. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron and Miriam and said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Verse five says, then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. Listen to what God said there. He says, of all of my house, Moses is the one prophet that I trust. I wonder, can God trust you? Text said, let's keep reading. Come on, let's go. That's a sermon in this area. I wonder, can the Lord trust me? I speak to him face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Verse 9 said the Lord was very angry with them, and he departed. And the text says that the cloud removed from the, above the tabernacle there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, oh, my master, please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. The text says, don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decayed at birth. The text says, so Moses cried out to the Lord, oh, God, I beg you, please heal her. Let me tell you something. When you are a friend of God, you can ask God for stuff. When you have a personal relationship with him, God will move. Amen. Amen. When you come to the throne room of grace, say, Lord, I need you to touch in this situation. He was the friend of God. But the Lord said to Moses, if a father had not had had if a father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So keep her outside the camp for seven days. And after that, she may be accepted back. Verse 15, the last one says, so Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days and the people waited until she was brought back before they traveled again. Talking about today, a critical attitude. Amen. A critical attitude. Versus an attitude of love. Everybody say a critical attitude. Now again, as we, we say, what is an attitude? Attitude are patterns of thinking that are formed over a long period of time. Do you not realize that we have a certain way of thinking about stuff and about life? That if that certain way of thinking about stuff and life is not transformed by the word of God and the principles of God's word, we'll continue to think a certain way even when it's outside of God's will. 
Many of us have ways of thinking that have been cultivated and developed by our families of origin. And so attitudes are patterns of thinking formed over a long period of time. Wrong attitudes are hard to change because they are habitual. They are harmful ways of thinking about life and circumstances. How many of you will really admit today that there have been times, even since you've been born again, you had a way of thinking about particular issues, whether it was money, whether it was relationships, whether it was how you worked on your job, that that, those ways of thinking were not in line with God's will. Can I get somebody to admit and be truthful to say that, you know, Pastor, my, my thinking was bad. And see, when your thinking is bad, then generally your actions are bad. The way you handle stuff is bad. So we look at this thing here, attitudes, wrong attitudes, patterns of thinking are so deeply ingrained in our hearts and minds that we hardly even notice them. We don't even know that we got a stinking attitude. We think we normal. We think we're okay. Amen. Until we approach the word of God and God's word begins to challenge us in how we think about stuff. So let's, let's just skip down. So critical attitude. Here in Numbers, we see, we see Moses' relative, his brother and his sister, coming to him to criticize him. Amen? Everybody say critical attitude. So let's get a definition of criticism, first of all. First of all, let's remember the difference. I told you on last week, there's a difference between complaining and criticism. Okay? There's a difference between complaining and criticism. Complaining relates to situations, whereas criticism relates to people. Let me repeat that again. Complaining relates to situations, whereas criticism relates to people. Criticism, hear me carefully, criticism is dwelling upon the perceived faults of another person with no view to their good. I'm going to say it again. Criticism is dwelling upon the, everybody say perceived, perceived faults of another person with no view or with no idea of how we can help that person if it is something they got going on that shouldn't be going on in their life. See, when you just look at the person and talk about them but have no desire to help that person, then you are criti- you're being critical. Because some people will, will, will try to... Uh, Throw criticism off as, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to, 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 to point out in that person what needs to be pointed out so I can help them, but you don't ever go and try to help them. See, that's when you know you're just being critical. Again, the word I said, it says criticism is dwelling upon the perceived fault. That word perceived is very important because that word is used because our perception of what is wrong with others is not necessarily accurate. I'm going to say it again. Our perception of what's wrong with others is not necessarily accurate. There may be circumstances we don't understand or maybe the problem is actually with us and not with them at all. Have you ever, have, has God ever showed to you yourself? I need, I need somebody who can say, bro, pastor, God has shown me myself. See, many times in life, guys, we think the problem is them when oftentimes it's us. You think it's her, but it's you. Can I get a witness? So we got to make sure that we are understanding that criticism is is, is a perceived fault. Sometimes it's us. It's not criticism to dwell upon a fault you observe in someone, provided that, number one, you're going to pray about it, and number two, you're going to pursue a solution to that problem. See, many of us talk about 
people, but we never pray about the situation and we never try to help them out of that situation. Are y'all listening to me today? So it's critically important for us to realize that am, am I in criticism or not? Am I, am I just am I trying to point out something to help somebody or am I just talking about somebody? So, again, criticism. Amen. It's different than complaining. Criticism relates to people. Complaining relates to situation. So let's get down. So what, what are some principles that we can learn from this? Because, again, we go back in here. Moses was God's chosen man. The Bible says Moses was called a friend of God. Moses was a man who walked in humility. He was an humble man. He was a man who 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 God says, that's my friend. He was a man that God says, listen, I talked to other prophets in vision, but I talked to him face to face. Y'all remember when he went, on, went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments? Amen. The burning bush. God, God talked to Moses face to face. And so he had a very special relationship with Moses. So what are some principles regarding criticism that we need to be aware of? First of all, uh, principle number one, criticism is wrong. Everybody say criticism is wrong. Especially God. Well, it's, it's wrong, period. But but especially if, if you're not. If you don't have a mind or an eye to help the person who you've been talking about, because if, if, if all of us are not careful, all of us can 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 find ourselves falling into this attitude of being very critical about stuff, about people. Now, if, if I'm looking at you right now, you, you, you probably if you're alive and you're breathing, even since you've been born again, you've been critical of somebody. Saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking of the tongue, but you've, been a, you've had a little critical attitude running around in your head. And usually it's, it's about people who you know. It's about people who you're communing with in fellowship in the church. It's about people in your family. Oh, yeah, this message is going to hit everybody today. You can't show it. Mm-hmm, look at her. You better, look, look, mm-hmm, Craig, you better get that, Craig. You better get that. No, it's for everybody. A critical attitude we see here came against God's leader, against God's general Moses, who was the one who was tasked with leading the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Go back to Numbers 12 with me right quick. So first of all, criticism is wrong. Romans chapter number 12. Uh, and look at verse number 11 with me right quick. Skip on down. Verse number 11. That's why you know it's wrong. Notice what he says here. Aaron cried out to Moses and said, oh, my master, watch this. Please don't punish us for what? For this sin. Now, what was the sin? Let's go back to verse number two. Pop back to verse number two. We'll come back to verse number 11. Right he said it was a sin. Please don't punish us for this sin. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has the Lord only spoken through Pastor Adams? Okay, here we go. We're coming, we're coming home. We're coming home. The tickets are coming home to roots. When was the last time you talked about your pastor and didn't try to help your pastor? See, the mic trying to mess up now. When was the last time you didn't, because you didn't agree with what the pastor, amen, said, and mind you, what he said didn't go against scripture. It's just that you would have did it a different way. Now, mm-hmm. 
I'm going to get so close to God that next time you criticize me, you're going to be a leper. <laughs> now, I don't wish that on you. I don't wish that on you. Isn't it amazing that <laughs> they were coming toward Moses and, 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 and Moses said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. So they begin to be critical. Now, look back at verse number one. I, want you, I don't want you to miss this. Don't miss the irony of this. They, they said they criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They criticized him because he had married a woman of dark skin tone. And it is amazing that the punishment that came to her made her skin whiter than snow. And she became a leper. And I told you before, and I said again, God has no problem, amen, with you marrying anybody as long as that person is a born-again believer. If you say, he has no problem whatsoever with the outside skin color. Amen? And if you have a problem, then you've got a problem of your heart. I'm telling you now, you cannot dismiss this because something is going on in your heart that you've got to deal with. I don't always get quiet when I say that. Y'all think y'all like I'm saying something that's, that's unbiblical. All right. Because see, sometimes people don't want you to mess with their stuff. You want me to mess with somebody else's stuff, but not your stuff. And that's, that's some stuff because it's, it's an issue of the heart. And see, man looks at the outside, but God looks at what? He looks at the heart. See, they, they criticize it because of he had married a Cushite woman. And again, you go on in here, uh, verse number two, watch what it says here. Because again, there was more to it than this. Because sometimes we think we can do stuff better than everybody else. We think we can be wiser than the person who's, who's running the thing until we get in the position and have to run the thing. We think we can be smarter than the football coach until we get on the sideline and try to coach ourselves. Isn't it amazing how we, we, we call the coach dumb? He don't, don't know what he's talking about. I need to fire him. And you don't, you, you don't even know the difference between a, a, a button hook. Yeah, that's an old school term. They call it a hitch route now, but a button hook and a flag route. They call it a corner route now. You don't, you don't know the difference between a cover two and a cover four. You don't know if they're blitzing or if they're in zone or man to man. But you know he dumb. He don't know what he's talking about. See, never be critical of people until you walk in their shoes. I'm talking about all things being equal. So they were criticizing Moses and, and, and because Moses led them, but the text says, it says, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? And this is really kind of, guys, getting at the heart of, 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 of why sometimes we as a people of God and the church, amen, uh, uh, doesn't, doesn't, maybe don't, do as much as God have us to do because sometimes we don't respect the leadership that God has placed in the, inside of his house. The Bible says that God says he's going to give us pastors according to his own heart to feed you with wisdom and knowledge on high. So if you don't respect your pastoral leadership, then you, you, you won't be inclined to, to follow the leading of your pastoral leadership. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor. I've, I, I've taught this before I ever became a pastor. Are you with me? It's important for us to understand that submitting ourselves to authority is critically important. Go to Hebrews the 13th chapter right quick. Hebrews chapter number 13, and we're going to keep moving here. So we talked about, first of all, criticism, criticism is wrong. And it's wrong because it ruins our relationship with God, it hurts us, and it destroys our fellowship with others. 
That's why criticism is wrong. It ruins our relationship with God. Hebrews 13, verse number 7, glory to God. Hebrews 13, verse number 7. Are y'all still tracking with me today? Talking about a critical attitude versus an attitude of love. This is critically important because, guys, many times uh, we're walking in this and not realizing it. Especially if you're a person who's very analytical and you analyze stuff and you, you know, you, you, you know on Wednesday night we talk about the spirit of excellence and we talk about what excellence is and what excellence is not. Uh, but you have to be careful that you don't become critical, having a critical attitude or critical spirit. The text says this, read out loud with your own purpose. It says, what, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come to their lives and follow the example of their faith. I would hope that as your pastor laboring with you, that I would I would give you a faith walk to follow after. I would hope that as I teach you the word of God, you will remember me as the man that God has placed in this place. He says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Verse number eight. Let's read. Come on, let's go. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse nine. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Listen, guys, it's so critically important that we be grounded in our faith and be doctrinally sound in what we believe. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, who don't, which don't help those who follow them. See, there's a lot of folks that hung up on dietary restrictions and, 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 and really honestly believe that you are wrong and in sin if you eat certain types of meats and that type of thing. And what, that, that's what he was dealing with with these, the, the, this audience of these Hebrew, in the book of Hebrews. He says, God he says, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. Verse number 10 says what? We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Verse number 11. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin. And the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. Verse number 12. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by his what? By means of his own blood. You holy by the blood. It's the blood, not your good. It's not my goodness, but the blood that washes away my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 13, let's read together. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. Verse 14 says, for this world is not our permanent home. How many of y'all know this is we just passing through? This is not our home. And we should not feel comfortable here because heaven is our home, not earth. This world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. 15, therefore, let us offer, because we're looking for a home to come, let us offer through Jesus, what? A continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. So, child of God, what is he saying? He says, our sacrifice of praise to God should be continual, not just when we're going through good times. Can you still praise him when things, your money is funny? Can you still praise him, amen, when, when your relationship with your spouse is not where it needs to be? Can you still praise him when things on the job are getting a little hectic? He says, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. 1670 is where I want to get to. And don't forget what? 
to do good and to share with those in need. We are to help those in need, child of God. These are the sacrifices that please God. Verse 17. Watch this market underlined and highlighted in your Bible. Watch what it says. Y'all know it. You, you should be familiar with this passage. We go over it over and over again. And I don't go over it over and over again just to, just to beef up my position. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. You saw in the book of Numbers where they disrespected God's leader and God dealt with him. The text says what? Obey your spiritual leaders. Read it. Now read it again out loud on purpose. Ready? Read. Now read it one more time for me. Get it in your spirit. All right. Let's keep reading. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Child of God, let me tell you something. One thing Doyle Adams is not going to do is get to heaven, get to the beam of judgment of Christ, and then God, Christ comes and, and, and dresses me down because I didn't tell you the truth. Well, well Jesus, you know, I, I, I was going to tell the truth, but, but, but he a big tither. He may lead the church if I make him mad. Lead! Because I'm going to preach truth. Are you with me? I've learned... Amen. In my 30 years of pastor here, people come and people go. Don't get so high when they come and don't get so low when they go. Because people come and people go. Sometimes we don't realize that sometimes people in our life for just a season. And when that season is up, you over there still depressed and it's been five years. What's wrong with you? Got to keep moving. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. So I got to give account for how I pastor this church and what I tell you. Because I don't want you to get to the beam of judgment of Christ. You know, my pastor didn't tell me that Mary and a man was wrong. And I'm a man. My, my pastor didn't tell me because it was politically incorrect. Amen. That marry a woman and marry a woman is wrong. My pastor didn't tell me uh, that it was, it, was, it was a sin to be racist. After all, you know, stuff we've been through, you know. It's wrong both ways. I'm going to tell you the truth. Now, what you do with that truth is up to you. Because I can't put a gun in your head and make you follow truth. But I tell you what, I'm going to preach it to you. Amen. And I'm going to smile. I'm going to hug you. Even when I know you're being critical. Pastor loves you. And people love you. They really love you. They're going to speak truth. Speak the truth in love, the Bible says, right? Give them a reason to do. Watch this. Give them your spiritual leaders the, the reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your what? For your benefit. So they came at Moses and had a critical attitude. And a critical attitude is wrong. Everybody says wrong because it ruins our fellow relationship with God. It hurts us and it destroys our fellowship with others. I don't like being around critical, negative people. Because every time you every time you see them, something wrong, they, they're always down. Remember that song that they say, I've been down so long, down don't bother me. Down bothers me. And when I'm around you and you down, it bothers me. Been down so long, down don't bother, down ought to bother you. Scripture text says, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Don't stay there. 
Yes, all of us may have been there. You may have been there. You may have been depressed, but you don't have to stay there. God says it's time for you to lift up your head. It's time for you to look to the hills from which cometh your help. For all of your help cometh from the Lord. Don't stay in the state of, of, of down. Everybody say I'm going up and not down. So, principle number one, criticism is wrong. Aaron says, go back to Numbers 12, verse number 11. Read that right quick before we go to this next one. Romans 12, verse number, not Romans, Numbers 12, verse number 11 says, he cried out to Moses, oh, my, my master. Now he's master. <laughs> In verse number two, he was, you don't want God to speak through? See, God can humble us when we get beside ourselves. He has a way, amen, of humbling us. Oh, my master. Sounds different, doesn't it? Please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. This sin. Everybody say this sin. It was sinful for them to criticize God's man. That's what the scripture says, right? Please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. Personal number two. Criticism is petty. Everybody say petty. It's petty. It's petty. Three significant issues hide under the cover of criticism. So when, when, you, you, when you're a very critical person, here's what may be happening, what may be going on the inside of you. Number one, unforgiveness and the bitterness that goes with it may be permeating your heart. See, here's what I discovered. A lot of believers carry unforgiveness and some try to justify carrying the unforgiveness. But pastor, you just don't know how deeply that person hurt me. You don't know what they did to me. Listen, Jesus said, forgive those, amen, who trespass against you so that you will be forgiven of your trespasses. Unforgiveness is something that we as a body of believers must deal with when it permeates in our heart. Because unforgiveness will block your ability to get through to God. Everybody say, I got a deal with my unforgiveness. So when you find yourself being critical of a person, check and make sure that you're not harboring unforgiveness and bitterness toward that person. Because that could be driving your critical attitude. Amen? Forgive those. Forgiveness is the hallmark of a believer. We cannot be close to God when we're harboring unforgiveness in our heart toward a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Or somebody who's not even saved. Unforgiveness may be the root of it. Envy, jealousy, or resentment may be causing you to be critical. In other words, in the streets they call it haters. Anybody got any haters? In other words, people, pe- people that don't even know you, who, who've never really had a conversation with you, will look at you and say, something about him I don't like. Well, what is it? I don't know, but it's something. You never had a conversation with me. You never even had interacted. But, 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 but you're sitting there and you're being envious and sometimes jealous and resentful because maybe God has blessed that person, amen, at the level you want to be on. So now you're becoming critical of the person because, yeah, you're just envy and jealous. I don't, he got all that money. He bought that car, cost $200,000. 
You know, what we look at some of these professional athletes, I just wouldn't spend my money. You don't know what you do until you get uh, $50 million. Huh? See, we can say that when we ain't got but 10000 But when you got $50 million in the bank, huh? Well, I just wouldn't, I, I, just, I just know me. Yeah, you know you until your situation changes. Listen, here's what we got to understand. God doesn't have a problem with us having stuff as long as stuff don't have us. Can I get one witness up here? So quit being critical of the stuff that people buy when you don't know the people's situation. Now, when I know your situation, and I know you broke it in Cooter Brown, and I know you went out and bought something that you couldn't afford, and I know you're going to be coming to try to borrow some money from me two months later, then I got a problem with you, and I'm going to talk to you about that. Y'all don't know who Cooter Brown is, do just, just trust me, he broke. Yeah, he broke. He ain't got no money. He's just faking. And see, we, we, go, we go out, and I tell you, we go out on last week, I talked about a, a covetous attitude, being covetous, wanting stuff before your time. Stuff may not be wrong stuff, but you want it at the wrong time or in, more, in, in, in a greater abundance than what you can actually afford. But you go out and get it because you just got to have it. And let me tell you something, and I, I don't see it in my car salesman here today, but car salesmen kind of play on your covetousness. I mean, they're good people. They got to make a sale. Come on. But they put you in there, you start smelling a new leather. You look at all the gadgets in that, in that car now that you don't have. You still got an 8-track tape player in there. Still pushing an 8-track tape player. Still got cassette. You, you still got cassette tapes. It's time. It's time. It's time. But they'll play on that. And, and, and the and next thing you know, they'll have you out there driving something that you can't, we really can't afford. I told you on last week, sometimes we think we can afford something. Well, the monthly payment is more, it's more than just the monthly payment that you got to take in consideration with whatever you're buying, whether it's a home, a car, whatever. Are you with me today? So, so let, keep moving, keep moving. All right. So, so sometimes we are critical of people because we are envious. We are resentful of their position. Don't ever find yourself being that way. Listen, when God blesses you, I'm happy for you. If God blesses you, amen, to be a millionaire before I get there, then more power to you. Glory to God. Man, I'm, t- I- I'm literally happy when God blesses others. And blessing is more than just material stuff. But I'm trying to get, catch us where our mindset that most people think blessing is only material stuff. But see, I am blessed. I'm thank God for peace in the home. Yeah. Baby, let me tell you something. Give me peace in the home. And that, that's, that's more value to me than having a million dollars in the bank. Because I got a million dollars in the bank and no peace at home, I'm still messed up. Ask, ask folks who got money. I mean, you know, if you know any. So envy, jealousy, or resentment. And then personal failure sometimes causes us to criticize others because somebody's doing something that we attempted to do, but we, we failed in it. So we start criticizing them because God blessed them to be able to accomplish it. Sometimes in life, God, you've got to recognize that, that 
That course of action is not the course of action that God has ordained our life for. Or if it is, maybe we didn't do our part to prepare for greater. Many of us want greater, but we don't want to prepare for greater. Many of us want more, but we don't want to budget and save and, 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 and pitch our pennies to get more. We got to get ourselves together. Look at the neighbor and neighbor. Get yourself together. Criticism is, is petty. Number, number three, third person. Criticism is self-exalting. Everybody say self-exalting. What, what, what does that mean? See, when we criticize others, we're trying to bring them down so we can lift ourselves up. It's self-exalting. I don't, I don't have time to go into all that. But, but, but pride, the Bible says, goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit or high spirit before fall. Watch out for the sin of pride because it's very sneaky. It, it'll, it'll make you think that, that, that you don't have it, but you really do have it. Pride, amen. Quit criticizing and trying to pull other folks down. Fourth principle is criticism is painful. It's hurtful. Don't you think that Moses was hurt when his brother, his own brothers and sister, his own brother and sister came against him, amen, talking about him. And maybe they were representing everybody else too because they, they came to him and says, are you the only one that God speaks through? Knowing that God used him to deliver them out of Egypt. Knowing that God used him, amen, to part the Red Sea. Knowing and seeing God's hand working their life. Now they were being critical of him. It's sad, guys, when our family, when our own family carries a critical attitude toward us. Our own family messing, saying stuff and, and, and pulling us down because, you know, because of their issues. Because many times people who carry a critical attitude, the issue is not the other person, it's them. Amen? So criticism is painful. Number, personal number five, criticism is often inadvertent. Sometimes we don't even realize what we're doing. And we, 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 we'll throw it off as concern, but a lot of times we're being critical. Because sometimes you, you can start, you, if you're not careful, you're not prayed up and not into the word, you'll find yourself, amen, saying stuff and doing stuff and, and, and you criticize everything. Critical attitude. And lastly, principle number six, criticism will block the flow of God's blessing. When you carry a critical attitude, it will block the flow of God's blessing. Miriam experienced God's judgment because of her critical attitude. Now she, it was, you know, she came, so, you know, the Bible lists her name first when customarily when the Bible uh, is scripture, if you check it out, they normally list the man first and then the woman. But, but they list her first because she, she, she led out. I believe Miriam was, was the, was the bo- bossy sister. Any y'all got any bossy sisters? All right. See, so see, so so he dealt with her, and the, and the and the judgment came on her, even though Aaron was right there with her. So so but so so you got to be careful that when you carry a critical attitude, recognize that it'll block the flow of God's blessing. So what? So so pastor, you're talking about what a critical attitude is. So how do how do we get beyond it, and how do we how do we replace that critical attitude? Well, we got to start looking at an attitude of love. Everybody say attitude of love. Go to Romans, the 12th chapter with me right quick. Romans chapter number 12, glory to God. And there, there's other passages, guys, where I could have you know, shown you as it relates to critical attitude being exposed in Scripture. But I want you to understand something. Uh, God watches how we do what we do. 
even though you may be in church, even though you may be, uh, you know, faithful and committed as far as participating, what's your attitude when you do it? Man looks at the outside, but God looks at what? The heart. He's looking at our hearts and he wants to know why we do what we do. And when we come and do it, even though we did it, God says, what was your attitude when you did it? Romans 12, watch this, attitude of love. Romans 12, verse number nine. Let's, let's, let's park there just for a second and we'll, we'll keep moving, okay? I shared a couple of these when we were talking about loving one another because it's critically important that we as a church learn how to love one another. Text says what? Who's writing here, guys? The Apostle Paul is writing. He's writing to the church at Rome, the saints at Rome. And notice what he says here. Romans, the 12th chapter, um, verse number I tell you what, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's go to verse number, verse number nine. Don't just pretend to love others. Really do what? Love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good, right? Uh, next verse says what? Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in what? Honoring each other. Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to the saints at Rome and he's employing them. He's exhorting them to love one another. Now it's interesting to me that he would have to do that in the church, but being in the church as long as I have been, I know it's it's critically important that we be admonished to love one another rather than criticizing one another. Now when I say this, that don't mean that you don't deal with sin. That don't mean that you don't deal with issues that have to be dealt with. I'm talking about a critical attitude, a perceived fault, one that you don't even know, but you, you don't even know the whole situation, but you're criticizing that person rather than the situation. Are y'all with me today? So, so he says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in doing what? Take delight in doing what? Honoring what? Each other. Verse 11 and 12. Let's read on. Let's go. It said what? Never be lazy, back up. Never be, back up. Never be, but what? Work hard and serve the Lord how? Enthusiastically. That word enthusiastically has an L on the end of it, which makes it an adverb. The adverb describes how to do the verb. The verb is how you serve or how you work. Work and serve how? So when you come to church, do you ever roll up in here not having prayed, not having gotten your mind together? And say, I guess I'm going to greet today. Here, get this program. Here, here the program is. Here's the notes. Go sit down somewhere. No, you, you don't. You got to have the right attitude. When you come here to serve, you got to get prepared before you get here. Because God is watching how we do what we do. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. How? Enthusiastically. How enthusiastic are you in serving God? And serving God is more than just church. See, we come here to get powered up. We, get, we come here to get exhorted, to, get, to, be, to be nourished with the spiritual fruit, uh, fruit and meat of the word of God. And so when we go out there, amen, uh, in, our, in our individual goings at home and at work and our neighborhoods and, and at school, we have a responsibility to serve God enthusiastically. Don't get lazy on God. Some of y'all have gotten lazy. I'm your pastor. I can talk to you like that. You gotten lazy, a little lazy. 
Oh, yeah, you, you, you're here Sunday mornings. And, but see, see, one of the things that we're going to talk about, and, and we'll, you'll be hearing about it in the coming weeks, God is requiring more of us. Listen to me carefully. He's requiring more of us. With what he wants to do through this ministry, you got to become more than a Sunday morning attendee. Let me go to this side of it. I feel some heat over here. <laughs> For God to do what he wants to do through EBC, we got to make a commitment not to be lazy, but to work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. And that means becoming kingdom disciples. That means we got to start doing life together. We got to start encouraging each other. We got to start bringing each other along. We got to stop, stop the lone ranger symbol. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm good by myself. I'm good, Pastor. No, you're not good by yourself. I was the one who said, I'm, I'm cool. I'm good. You know, I'm good. You know, I'm just me and the Lord. Just going. Just me and the Lord. That's got to be more than you and the Lord. Because the Lord wants to use you, KD. He wants to use you, Elijah. He wants to use you, Gary. He wants to use you, Maria. He wants to use you, Yvonne, to reach other people. And so we got to get out of our comfort zone. Some of, our, some of us have that comfort zone where we just cool being by ourselves. So the question becomes, all right, since you're running away from all the church people, are you going to let God use you like he wants to use you? Or are you going to stay on the throne? That is the question. Are you willing to say, God, for you I live and for you I die, I submit my will to your will, even though I'm uncomfortable connecting with people, I'm going to learn how to connect. So you can use me like you want to use me. God, I'm uncomfortable connecting with people who are not just like me. Who, who maybe think differently than me. Do you not realize that, that, that it's, 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 it's great that we got a, a different flavor, that everybody's not the same as me? And thank God everybody's not the same as you. Because maybe if everybody was the same as, same as you who didn't give no money in the church, we wouldn't even be in this building. Think about that for a second. If everybody did amen, their Christian life, the way you do yours, what kind of church would we have? That's scary, isn't it? Everybody say, thank God for diversity. Say, thank God for different gifts. Because the text says, we we read it on Wednesday night, how it is that, um, that all the gifts work together. And as, as each part does their work, it helps the body get stronger. So thank God that we're different. Thank God. Now, you ought, I told you, on, I think it was on Wednesday night, you ought to carry the spirit of your pastor. I mean, in other words, when I say the spirit, I mean, uh, as I follow Christ, you follow me. Because I told you all before, this is all about lifting up Jesus, not lifting me up. And we're going to keep on lifting Jesus up. And that's, that's the mindset. If you are here to try to make your name great, you're going to be very uncomfortable. Because I, 
I got a, I got a radar sensor for folk who trying to promote themselves. It's just like God gave me. There it is. You better watch him. It's all about them. They want to they want to build themselves up. And they get uncomfortable and eventually they leave. Because it's going to be about Jesus and us submitting ourselves to his will. And that, that involves a man learning how to get comfortable Amen. connecting with people. And I know, I know, I know I've been there. And I'm still working some stuff out. Come on, all, all you folks, all you folks who say, well, you know, yo, pastor, don't push me too far now, okay? You know, I'm, I, I, I know, you know, uh, I know what you've been saying, but, you know, I ain't there yet. No, it's, it's, we can't say I'm not there yet. We got to say, God, whatever your will is, that's what I'm willing to do. Because ultimately, we got to get out of self and get into God, okay? Y'all still with me? So watch, watch it. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. How? Enthusiastic. Verse 12. Watch this. Watch this. Rejoice in our, in, in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on. Keep on what? Keep on what? Praying. Verse 13. Watch this and watch this. One. Watch this. When God, here's why I say we got to change our, our, our mindset. Our when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Watch this. Always eager to practice hospitality. See, when, you know, think about this. When we have an attitude of love, first of all, love is authentic. And the authentic love is expressed in how we connect with people and how we serve people. He says to always be eager to practice hospitality. How many, how many of y'all are eager to practice hospitality? How many of y'all are eager to, to welcome somebody in your home? How many of y'all are eager to give somebody a ride? How many of y'all are eager to go do something for somebody who you don't know? In other words, you, y'all, y'all not hanging together all the time. Huh? Always be eager to practice hospitality. So, so, so we said an attitude of love. The characteristic of that Christian love is, first of all, love is authentic. The KJV says in Romans 12 and 9, it says without dissimulation, which means it's sincere. And the Greek word for sincere in verse 9, I told you before, is anapokritos, which literally means not hypocritical. We can't be hypocritical, guys. None of us do everything right all the time. None of us are perfect, right? But we all be striving toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Don't let not being perfect be an excuse to sin. When you got known sin in your life, deal with it. Don't, don't wallow in it. All of us at some point in time have messed up along the way, but don't wallow in the sin. Don't make a bed there in the pig pen. The prodigal son got up and went back to his father's house. So love is authentic, okay? An attitude of love is authentic. In other words, it's, 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 it, it keeps us focused on the right thing. The second thing is love is discerning. It's discerning. If you love someone, you despise anything that's a threat to his or her well-being. If you love someone, you despise anything that is a threat to his or her well-being. So that means that if I love you as my brothers and sisters in Christ and I see you heading down the wrong road, I don't just sit back and say, well, it ain't none of my business. I ain't going to say nothing because, you know, if you say something, people don't want you to t- say nothing to them. Now, they, listen, baby, we, if we are our brother's keeper. So I'm going to tell you this right now. The Bible is very clear about connectivity of, of, of disciples. When we, when we decide to make disciples, then we have to connect with people to help them grow. 
And that means there's going to be some times in our walk with people who we have to pull them closer to us and say, listen, man, you know, I'm, I'm seeing something that's kind of troubling to me. Can, let's, can we talk about it? Tell me what's going on and be honest about it, okay? That's speaking the truth in love. Love is discerning. If you love someone, you despise anything that's a threat to his or her well-being, including sin in their life, okay? When you understand that sin is lethal, you begin to hate sin while you still love the sinner, okay? Are y'all with me? Christian love, like God's love, hates that which can harm the one you love. So love has some checkpoints and, and cares, and, and it cares about a person's character. So if I see you as a believer, amen, indulging or falling into sin, then, then, then I'm concerned about you enough to say, listen, hey, man, hey, 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 sister, let's talk about this. Okay? Let's talk about this. That's what love is, an attitude of love, rather than just sitting back and talking about you. Having a critical attitude, an attitude of love says, let me go to this person. Let me talk to him. Let me share with him. Okay? So love is discerning. Second thing is love. Third thing, love is loyal. It's loyal. Everybody say loyal. When I love you, I don't throw you away because you mess up. Go to, go to uh, 1 Corinthians 13 chapter with me right quick. Love is loyal. Y'all remember when, when Simon Peter betrayed Jesus, he went out and wept bitterly. And when you when you are disloyal, when you mess up, you feel terrible about yourself. If you're born again and you mess up, you feel horrible. You don't just wallow in it and keep on just just come on. You 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 feel you feel like you disappointed God. Okay? Now, now watch this. Uh, what did I tell you? First Corinthians 13 and 1 right here. I gotta move and we'll get out of here. Yeah, get out of here. So so love is loyal. In other words, just like Jonathan and David were best friends. Even when Jonathan's father, King Saul, hated David and, and was trying to kill him, Jonathan looked out for his friend because he was loyal. See, loyalty is, is a thing of the past nowadays. I was, I was talking to, um, maybe Sandra and I were talking the other day, we were talking about, we, we updating the database, and there are some folks who've gone, and, and we don't, they just disappeared. We don't know what happened. Uh, and I told her, I said, you know, normally I said, uh, the way in the old days, whenever somebody left a church, they had the common decency to come and tell their spiritual leaders that we, we're moving on someplace else. She said, well, you know, daddy, you know, our generation, we don't think anything about that. You know, we just, uh, if we want to go somewhere, we just leave. We don't say anything. I mean, they just up and leave. He's like, where, where, what happened to them? Where, where they go? They don't call. And so, so it's, it's even, you know, sometimes people leave that way, you know, and, and it's, they just generally, they move the way or they, they, God led them to someplace else. And sometimes they leave because they're mad about something. But, but never, if, if you, you know, loyalty would, would at least say that if I'm going to not be in communion with you, I will come and tell you I'm not going to be in communion with you. Not just up and leave. You follow me? But, uh, and I know some of our younger people think that way, but listen, you better learn how. And I, I shared this when I spoke at the midterm graduation uh, on Tuesday night to the Benton High School uh, midterm graduate. I told them, I said, listen, learn how to develop relationships to the point to where you, you can talk to people face to face and not just text them or post something on social media. I've told you all before, that, that just burns my goat when you post stuff on social media but won't go talk to somebody face to face. As a matter of fact, that's cowardly. And it's, it's not, that's not the way it should be done when you got a relationship with people. But, but, but she said people just leave, she said, that generation, they just leave, they don't think anything about it. 
So loyalty is, is, is seen to be a thing of the past in the church nowadays. If I get mad, I'm leaving. See, when you're loyal, you don't just leave because you're mad at your wife. Huh? Because let me tell you something. If, 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 if I left every time I got mad at Rarity, or if she left me every time she got mad at me, we would have been divorced a long time ago. Can I get three witnesses in the house? Andre, did, did, did Dominic leave you when she got mad at you last time? No, you still right there, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just saying, don't call me out like that. Don't call me. So, so, so part of the marital covenant uh, says that we got to be loyal to each other. Not loyal to a fault. In other words, if somebody is, 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 is trying to kill you, beat you, and all that kind of stuff, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, but, but I'm talking about because somebody disappoints you don't mean that you leave them. And, I, and I, if, if I were to put, a, put, a, uh, put every one of you all that are married on, the, on, the, on a lie detector machine, uh, I, could, I could get you to tell the truth. Or if you lied, we would know you wouldn't tell the truth that all of us have had times where we felt like packing it in at some point in time. In other words, the thought came to our mind. Can I get two amen? amen. How about three? Amen. amen and amen. But thank God, love is loyal. Do y'all hear me? Not that that means you don't deal with issues or address issues, but I'm saying love is loyal. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians 13. It says, if I could speak all the language of earth and angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Watch this. Got to get through. If I had to get the prophecy and, I, if, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I'd be what? We're talking about an attitude of love versus a critical attitude. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read it. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have what? Gained nothing. Watch this. Love is what? Now watch this. Here's, see, when you, when you have a, a, a loving attitude, here's the personification of a loving attitude. Love is what? Say it again. It is patient and what? It is patient and kind. Are you kind? If I were to ask the people who are in a relationship with you, would they tell me that you are a kind person? I'm just asking. Or I'm just saying. Love is patient, kind. Love is what? Not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Are you rude? It does not demand its own way. How many of y'all are very demanding you want things the way you want it? If it's not your way, you throw a fit. Anybody in the house? Everybody said they ain't loving. And most time you throw a fit, you start being critical of the person who didn't do what you wanted them to do. It is not irritable. How many of y'all are very irritating? Oh, I won't ask you that. I got to ask somebody who's in a relationship with you. Now, this is, this is love personified. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. How many of you sit up there and go back 10 years every time you get to a disagreement? Well, I remember back 10 years ago when you did this. Come on, folks. You got the whole list of stuff 
that you rehearse every time you get into a disagreement, the text says, it keeps no record of being wrong. Why do you keep bringing it up? Because the love and attitude has, has flown away from you. It keeps the record of being wrong. Next verse, come on, let's go. It does not, rec- it, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Come on, love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Verse 8, come on, let's go. Prophecies speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Next verse. Now, our knowledge is partially incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when full understanding comes, those part- these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Quit being childish, child of God. Let's grow up. We got too many babies in the church, just like the Corinthian church. Wearing our feelings on our shoulders. Next verse, come on, let's go. Now, we see things imperfectly in the cloudy mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial. All I know now is partially complete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is what? So we got to replace the critical attitude with the loving attitude. Jesus gave his life out on Calvary. He expressed Agape love, unconditional love, by going to the cross of Calvary to die for you and I. His blood was shed on Golgotha's hill, hung, bled, and died, resurrected the third day morning with all power and heaven in his hand, and that love needs to be expressed in our everyday goings and comings. Let's replace the critical attitude with an attitude of love. Every head bowed, everybody.